Man, Rui Hachimura has the Wizards Reddit thinking, who the hell is this guy? The Suns are finding it harder to escape the claw than we thought. And Draymond Green introduces his new WWE finisher called Stomp the Yard. I'm Rose the Panther. This is Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Oh, man, it could be better, but my voice told me it's a series. It's the first of four. So I'm, I'm looking on the bright side. Thanks, John, for lifting my spirits, brother. Yeah, man, we'll talk about those warriors soon. John, how you living, my friend? Yes, sir, yes, sir. We're going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. We got four teams <laughs> in the playoffs. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about those Lakers, too. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Well, I just want to say that the Suns are finding it harder to escape the claw than you all thought. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, so, dang. So, you know, Robot Kawhi is back, and I'm feeling pretty good as we head back to Cali. Shots are fired by Sammy. And speaking of fired, we're going to fire off with some quick hits, and here we go. So, to the surprise of almost no one outside of Atlanta, Boston is completely dominating the Hawks in that series. No offense, Hawks fans, but the oddsmakers got this one right. Boston is now the favorite to win the Eastern Conference at plus 140, which is obviously uh, related directly to Giannis's injury. Trey has just not been great in this series, and playoff-wise, the stats have reflected that. So we'll see if they can turn it around in Atlanta, but this one's looking like it's going to end in four or five, boys. Yes, sir. Same for the 76ers and the Nets, man. Up 2-0. Joel Embiid is averaging 23, 12, and 5 assists in this series. Obviously showing why he's a frontrunner for the MVP. And I, I have a beer near, near me, but I'm indoors. But I was going to pour one out for my Brooklyn Nets homies over here because I think they're dead in the water. I'm sorry, Brooklyn fans. And the Denver Nuggets, they currently have a one-game lead over the Timberwolves. Right now, they are up by four. But that first game, fellas, whoo, I would never see in the year of our Lord, 2023, that a team, an NBA team, only scored 80 points. Wolves... You have blown our minds on the clinic. 80 points in today's NBA. The Nuggets could have gone scoreless in the fourth and still, still would have won. And the Timberwolves could have gone scoreless in the third and they wouldn't have noticed. Come on now. <laughs> well, boys, we're going to talk about some of these other series. The first one we have to talk about is the Warriors versus the Kings. The Warriors are down 0-2. And for the, for the first game, we saw De'Aaron Fox go absolutely nuclear for 38 points, but it's kind of overshadowed by E40, who was courtside at the game, and he ended up getting kicked out of Golden 1 Center. I know you guys have heard all the storylines, all the tweets, all just basically the coverage on this thing. Do you guys think E40 should have been kicked out of this game here? Nope. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like that. We'll just carry on and talk about game they two. They told him where to go. How about that for a corny joke? Let's, let's go from there. <laughs> I like the puns here. We're going to talk about game two because this is where the beef really is. Speaking of beef, Draymond Green and Sabonis, they had a very physical matchup. Lots of elbows, lots of pulling. And there was flagrant two that was called on Draymond where Sabonis seemed to grab his leg, grab his ankle. Draymond tries to step over and he slams his foot down on Sabonis's chest, it seems. 
and then does like this Super Mario jump off of him, trying to get back on defense. And Draymond Green had this to say. He said, I could only step so far when asked about why he stomped down on Sabonis. When you guys saw this clip, did you guys think that this was going to be a flagrant two no matter what? I don't... There's so many ways to go with this. And so I think because in part it was Draymond and because he has a past history that I didn't think they were going to explicitly reference that. And then just... I don't know if they knew Adam Silver was there, but the, the WWE theatrics that you referenced afterward I think is what put this over the top. That's really what messes up, and I know they obviously didn't see all that when they called the flagrant on the court, but I just think it played into the whole thing. So, Sabonis played it up, and the fact that they're calling him questionable is a little ridiculous for the next game, but I think this got exaggerated because of the party involved, personally. That, that's how I took it when I watched it. I think it's very ironic. So, first of all, I would love for you guys to get my your opinion on, on my thoughts here, but I think that both Draymond and Sabonis are lying, and they're bad liars, right? To say that their intention... Well, first of all, Draymond, he, that, to say that it was his only option is to stomp that hard on Sabonis' <laughs> chest. Probably not the best lie that you could have thought of. Maybe it was just the heat of the moment. But also Sabonis to say that he was down on the floor trying to protect his face when it was clear that the video showed him yanking down and grabbing onto Draymond's ankle. He actually pulled Clay down. And so to me, it's, I mean, these guys must think it's the early 90s when there's no video, no 4K HD video slow-mo because though that's ridiculous to me. But regarding the suspension and regarding the play, like I honestly, I'm not surprised that Draymond got suspended. I don't like it based on the sole fact that it is the playoffs and it's a serious, it's, it's a potentially uh, series shifting game in game three, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't like it for that reason. But I will say this I think that if they were going to suspend Draymond, they should have suspended Sabonis too. I think that even though that the act itself wasn't as violent and serious, I guess you could say, as Draymond's, it was still a reason to suspend him. It's a dirty play, pulling down a player and then grabbing their leg. It didn't result in any any serious injury, as serious as w what Sabonis suffered, if you consider that serious. But it was still a dirty play, and I think they should have if they were going to suspend one guy, they should have suspended both or suspended none. And I wanted and and those are my thoughts. But I do want to get the the full Warrior fan and the half Warrior fan on the <laughs> their thoughts here. Well, let me you let me deduce who's who here, okay? Since, John, you, you already ripped the Band-Aid off, I was going to say, I'll set this up for the audience here. So basically, Sabonis asked for an x-ray on his ribs, even though he was asking, um, even though after the game he was saying, oh, it's just basketball, etc., etc. He then kind of went back and tweeted about how there's no room for that type of play in, the, in this league. Draymond Green gets suspended. And which was a absolute surprise. I think this was uh, yesterday at like or almost around midnight when this happened. Big surprise to the Warriors camp as well. Um, and Woj tweeted today that it was based off of his previous history of unsportsmanlike acts. And JJ, I want your opinion here about whether or not this suspension is actually warranted or were you surprised? 
I was very surprised. Is that what we're doing now, NBA? You're gonna go off previous acts of sportsmanship? Like, what, what's going on now? Because if you're gonna do that, then you gotta apply the same rules to everybody. Because Draymond Green is not the only one that plays aggressive. I'm gonna go ahead and rewind back last year. You know what happened with Dylan Brooks and GP2? That was a dirty play. GP2 went up for a dunk and Dylan Brooks undercut him. Like, not only are you breaking the etiquette, the basketball code, you, you've injured a vital piece of a team. Dylan Brooks, he got a one-game suspension. How was that equal to Draymond Green getting suspended? When, Can I ask you a question? Yes. So, how much do you factor in? Because I, I think the more and more I think about it, the more and more I hear about it. How much do you factor, and Sammy made ask this question, but I want to hear the two Warriors fans' thoughts on it. How much do you factor Draymond after the fact, after the play, after the stomp, whatever you want to call it, he went into the, the sideline, to the bed, back to his bench, looked at the crowd, started calling them names, was essentially making light or mockery of the situation, didn't feel any remorse or show any remorse in that in that moment. And the fact that Adam Silver was there, I'm starting to think that that is more of a reason why they suspended him than the act itself. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think that he would have not gotten suspended if he did not do that? Or do you still think it wouldn't have changed anything? To be honest, it, people will use that as reason. And I feel that it, it's, it might be a valid reason, but here we go. Uh, conspiracy theory. I know Jun likes conspiracy theories. Who gave out the punishment today? Joe Dumars, who used to work in the front office of the Kings. Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars. Bad boy piston, Joe Dumars. Exactly. You're, <laughs> you're a piston and you're going to say a stomp where Sabonis was on the floor for 10 minutes. Dude, my daughter steps on my back all the time. And I have a bad back. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't think Draymond, like, talking to the crowd or getting the crowd riled up played that big of a part. I want to say that that teams do that all the time. Players do that all the time, talk to the crowd. And I don't see anyone getting suspended for that. And I know that, in, like, I get what you're saying though, John, like it could have been like a tipping point for Adam Silver, but I, I would hope that they looked at just that isolated incident, you know, because they had been, like Draymond had been talking to the crowd pretty much the whole game, the whole game. And like when he got ejected, like there was a big roar to the crowd and Draymond had to respond, I guess. I don't yeah, know. And, and the only reason I say that is because the if you guys recall, the decision came out last night at 11.30 Eastern, p.m. Eastern time. And it, it, it typically, they come out with decisions a lot faster than that, usually early in the morning or the following day or the early afternoon. So to me, that indicates that it was actually a 50-50 decision and that they were actually really considering it, unless they strategically wanted to wait long to make it seem that way. But I don't... To me, that's that's the that's the idea. But I do like the conspiracy theory, JJ. I'm all about that, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the aliens and all that stuff, dude. I love it. I think it's funny. I don't think they had any reason to wait, though. I think you're right. Like to make it look like it was 50-50. I I get where you're coming from, June, on this, but I think the fact that he played it up so much was the tipping point. I think if he just walked back to the bench, even played like he was remotely remorseful that it was accidental, 
I think he'd be playing, he would have gotten fined. That would have been the end of it. But I, because he, I, like, played into it, I'm not saying that it's a justification that is a good one. It's not. It's nonsense. We got to stop taking the best players out of playoff games. Thank you. And, and also one thing, too, let me add this. Like, Adam Silver, he always is concerned with player um, behavior with the fans. How about fan behavior? Didn't we, haven't we talked about this on numerous occasions, especially the Boston fans with their remarks, racial remarks to their players? Utah There's also clear, says hello. <laughs> there are clear evidence with uh, the video of the game where the fans are flipping off Draymond. Mm-hmm. It's 50-50, yeah. man. Yeah. Fans I for mean, sure get away with too much. Unless you're... They're barking at Russell Westbrook, who call him Westbrook, and then he throws a hissy fit. <laughs> Sorry, no, Sammy. See, that that's, that's, that's fan soft. should be banned from the arena for life, but we will get there shortly. Well, I and the robot agree. Continue on. Sammy, I do see your point. Like, if Draymond was like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't mean to step on him that hard. Um, it's it was a perception accidental, thing, exactly. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Like, maybe Adam Silver would have been, and Dum- Dumars would have been more lenient with what happened but since he was like i could only step so far like what am i supposed that's, to do he like, played into it yeah quite. that that's the right, thing. It's right a perception thing it's optics the well, optics so, look bad when you play it up and the league has to act like they can't uh, yeah, accept, they find it look, acceptable and again i think <laughs> it's a nonsense suspension let me make that perfectly clear i'm saying the optics for the nba side is how they justified this and it's ridiculous to me I mean, it certainly doesn't help that both Sabonis and Draymond think that the people that they're speaking to are idiots. I mean, come True. on, man. We could watch the video. Mm-hmm. We could watch it one time and know that that whatever you're saying is complete. It's just complete bogus baloney. But it's entertaining. So I, well, I gotta, I gotta say, I empathize with you, Warrior fans, man. That's, that's not, that's not ideal. But hopefully, you know, you guys can pull it out in Game Three. I do want to see. A good series. I want to see a long series because the games have been fantastic so far. I would say that. Sabonis is now questionable for game three. <laughs> that's nonsense. Come on. I was just about to ask that. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I Sorry, agree. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the fact that he's completely <laughs> questionable <laughs> after what is, in your own words at the top of the episode, yeah. a WWF level finishing maneuver. Yeah. And for our friends watching on YouTube here, um, we have a picture of Sabonis's X-ray. We just got it in. It's a it's a nice big footprint on his chest. But that doesn't look like a size 15 shoe. That's definitely inaccurate. That's more like a 12 or 11 and a half. I want to ask you guys though, just like pure basketball wise, are you guys shocked with how well the Kings are playing against the Warriors? No, no, I'm not. And I hate doing this because it's going to make me sound like an arrogant, pompous guy. But check the receipts in one of these episodes in the past when I said, I think the, that teams, people are overlooking the Kings when it comes to their lack of, inexper- of, lack of experience and their um, just their noviceness or their, their age and their young age. I think they have shown like... They remind me of the old the Warriors team, the We Believe Warriors team, where they're just like running and gunning on you and that they are matchups make series and they are out running. They're out warring the Warriors 
right? And I think that because of their age, because of their youth, because of their athleticism, they're able to do it. And the Warriors have to slow the game down. And the way to beat the Kings is you have to use your size and beat them in the paint. But the Warriors don't really have someone in the paint that they can do that with. Kevon Looney is a great role player who has, who does a lot of things well, but scoring and being dominant in the paint is not one of them. So for me, I think it's a matchup problem. But I am no, to answer your question, I am not surprised. Not in the slightest, actually. And to kind of go along with that, I'm not necessarily surprised by the Kings' performance. I am impressed with how much they've shown up considering the lack of experience on the playoff level for most of them. My concern is more the lack of performance of the Warriors' bench. Namely, if you want to call Wiggins a bench player in Game 1, call him that. I don't consider it that way. I know that that was a different circumstance. Looking at Game 2, GP played 27 minutes. He played well. Vincenzo's minutes got cut to 13. He was a minus 13. The game didn't even take a shot. Moody played eight minutes. He actually was okay. Kaminga only played four, I think, and I haven't even gotten to the star of the bench yet. So that being said, it's also showing that these young guys that were drafted a couple years ago don't have cursed trust as a whole. And, of course, the star I'm talking about is Jordan Poole, who... He's he's getting it right now, and it's rightfully so. He finished one for seven in this game, four points. I believe he put up 16 the game before. Kerr clearly is not trusting him defensively. He cannot stay in front of anyone. And so related to that, I guess I'll hand this back to both of you as Warrior fans. I'll, to answer your first question, RJ, or excuse me, uh, June, in regards to the Kings, if you're both impressed by what they're doing, but... Does Jordan Poole make sense in the future if this doesn't, if you can't get out of this round? Cue the hell nah soundboard, JJ. <laughs> and if not, then I have go. a little quick side yeah, plot of nah. potential uh, <laughs> things I'm going to throw out there. But you guys, oh, no. I want to hear from the two Warrior fans here. June well, and JJ, JJ, what do you guys think? JJ keeps playing the hell nah soundboard over and over again. So I think we know his sentiment here. But go ahead. I digress. So, June. I think I could speak on behalf of both of us. Jordan Poole last year only played 15 to 20 minutes after the pool party got exposed by the Nuggets last year. And we've always talked about defense, fellas. Like, you need to have defense in the playoffs. And Sammy brought up the point that he just gets blown by. And it's not even just that, man. It's like... He doesn't go out for loose balls. He looks lost on health defense. It's the little things. What GP2 has on defense is the exact opposite of what Jordan Poole has. And am I surprised by the by the Kings? No, but I'm also not surprised how the Warriors are performing on the road. You are not going to win with 24 turnovers. Yeah. Imagine that the the Kings, they were 0 for 10 for shooting threes in the first quarter, but the Warriors had 12 turnovers. Not going to win, man. Definitely not going to win. Jordan Poole just has too many boneheaded mistakes. And if we're looking at like players that we wish Jordan Poole would play like this series, you just have to look across. You just got to look at Malik Monk. If it was Malik Monk, type of production instead i think the warriors would have a better chance we'll see how they do in game three without draymond green we're gonna take it to our next series here 
The Lakers and Grizzlies are now 1-1. And the storylines go like this. Basically, Brandon, uh, Brandon Clark, Steven Adams, both out. They're missing size. People are worried about that. But in game one, John Morant ends up injuring his right hand. And we have a slow motion video here where it looks like his hand just gets like crumpled up as he's trying to catch himself from falling down. He ends up being out for game two, but in this game one, the real story here was Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves have like an out-of-body experience. I have to ask John here, what were you thinking as these two were just going absolutely nuclear? Honestly, Austin Reeves has been doing this all year. He's been playing in big games, he's been he's been making big shots, and he's been hitting them in clutch time. And one of the things that I was interested in seeing is whether he could do that in the playoffs. And he proved me wrong in game one. And so I'm not really surprised by it because Austin Reeves has turned out to be one of those guys, like a diamond in a diamond in the rough for me. Yeah, undrafted gem. Rui Hachimura kind of more surprised me about his performance. And I know it was an, it's probably an anomaly. We're not going to get that kind of performance day in and day out unless he's the number one or two option, which is obviously not going to happen. But he surprised me mostly because I haven't seen something like that from him all year. I mean, he's been putting up 12, 15 points, being very serviceable, a good spark off the bench. But to put up 29 points and hit, you know, four, three or four or five threes in a row in crucial moments, you know, momentum shifting times was surprising to me. So it was a great surprise. And then, you know, and it was a good game to steal game one. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Rui kept it going in game two, though. He, he scored 20 points, five rebounds. Um, but the story is, is that John Morant was out. They're missing all of his size. And the Grizzlies still found a way to win today, 93 to 103. Can someone make sense out of this game? How the heck did this happen? Lakers shot 24%. <laughs> oh, from and deep? Yeah. Anthony Davis won for nine. Yeah, they played uh, They played pretty terribly. Yeah, and desperation is a big thing. When you're the home team and you have to hold serve after losing game one, you pretty much know if you lose that game, you're more than likely done. So, yeah. I, I think I that plays into it. Yeah, they played desperate. And look, I, I love going on, on Reddit, right? On my team's Reddit. And I don't know if you guys, if all the Reddit users that go on their respective basketball teams, sub subgroups or subreddits, you know the kind of doom and gloom that you see from losing one game or even a regular season game let alone a playoff game <laughs> and my mentality is always meant like some of these people are expecting what the teams to go 16 and 0 and i know this was an opportunity for the lakers <laughs> to steal both games on the road but the reality is this is the playoff team with or without john morant and they've they've been proven to play well without him yeah i know brandon clark and stephen adams are out but they're still a pretty good team they play defense is the main thing and they're they help the lakers to really I mean, you got to give them credit. And the Lakers did play poorly in the first half. They slept walked. But, you know, it's 1-1 now going back to L.A. And, and people need to chill out. There's a lot of people on Reddit, man. Lakers, trade AD. He's done. Uh, LeBron is washed. Uh, what else? What other great takes are there? There's, there's a few of them. Just if you want, if you're if you're looking for some humor, you just check out any basketball team's Reddit and uh, you'll get a good laugh. 
I'd also say when the Lakers haven't played well after the trade deadline, which I will respectfully say has not been off and they've been very good after, it feels like at times there's a lack of production from the point guard position that reared its ugly head again tonight. Uh, if I saw right, I think D'Lo was 2 for 11, Schroeder was 0 for 3, Beasley only played maybe 12, 13 minutes and kind of seems not is not exactly a point guard anyway, but... I'm just wondering if there's a lack of a secondary playmaker at times, and I know Reeves fills that level or that role quite well, but there's there's just so much inconsistency from D'Lo. And it feels like if they had that one extra piece tonight, maybe they could have made the run to close this game out. But I wonder if that's going to affect the series. I still like the Lakers to win it, obviously, depending on Jaw, but if it also affects how they view D'Lo in the future, because he's really fallen off when the games have gotten more important from what I've seen lately. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I do, I do, I'm not really concerned about the series. I think the Lakers are going to win it. I do. But in order for the Lakers to make a run that some people are saying that they are capable of, there has to be a third consistent piece. And we thought that was D'Angelo Russell. And so far, he's been inconsistent. Game one, he performed, he played really well. Game two, he was non-existent. And... But even AD, right? To score 10, 10, 12 points in a playoff, critical playoff game like this is unacceptable in any capacity. It doesn't matter. For someone of that caliber, am I like, is that an overreaction? I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think it's an overreaction. I'm, I'm also like, the thing that upsets me is that there wasn't enough killer instinct by these Los Angeles Lakers to take tonight's game. Because right. if, if they took both games away, this is this series is done absolutely done but they left the door open now they're 1-1 going back to la i have them winning game three do you all basically have the same thing they're they're winning game three here yes yeah. i think they come out flying in game three to make a point and especially just making the hustle plays they did not make in this game yeah i'm gonna say big win game three and then i think the lakers are actually gonna win game four as well by a closer game maybe like six or seven yeah! I have to ask you guys about Dylan Brooks here, real quick. <laughs> of course. What, why, why, what kind of episode would this be if we didn't talk about Dylan Brooks? Baby? I know, man. Dylan Stone Cold, Stone Cold Brooks. He always has something to say. And Dylan Brooks was asked, basically, that the Lakers are going on, like, I don't know, like a 13-0 run or something like that. And Dylan Brooks started to get in LeBron James' face. They were jawing at each other. And basically, Twitter was upset at Dylan Brooks, like, don't don't poke the bear, basically. And Dylan Brooks had this to respond. He said, I don't care. He's old. He literally said, I don't care. He's old. <laughs> what do you guys think of Dylan Brooks saying this into a microphone? I don't care what anybody on this episode thinks, especially JJ and Roe, but I'm going to say this. Dylan Brooks is the light-skinned Draymond Green, but worse. No disrespect whatsoever. Well, with that, Go we're going to take it to our next series here. We're gonna, we got to talk about Clippers versus Suns. It is now 1-1. Game right. 1 was a wild one. I, I don't know. I went into this thinking that the Suns were going to absolutely dominate because they were so top-heavy. Kevin Durant had looked so good in those eight games. But surprise, surprise, 
the Clippers won that one where Kawhi Leonard scores like 38 points without, of course, their number two option in, in Paul George. He's still out with injury. And Russell Westbrook. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about the game that he had. What did you guys think of Russell Westbrook's play so far this series? Um, don't look. Stop looking at me, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else go. Jay, you want to take the helm? What did I think about Westbrook? You got to say the first game, it's the first time that I'll admit, and I think everyone else would admit here that for a person that shot 3 for 19, that you might be able to give him the game ball. I'm, I'm yes. It's that was JJ. That was the best 3 for 19 game I've ever, <laughs> I've ever seen in the history of the, the NBA. The best 3 for 19, but. This is why we love basketball, man. It's not a it's not just about scoring. It's about the hustle plays. This is what the Lakers needed from Westbrook. To play defense, the hustle plays, keep the ball alive off miss um, shots. And that's what he did, man. And I can't deny what the Clippers did and you know, John, you mentioned it earlier, and um, Sammy, you and I stayed in the what episode a week ago, but the Clippers have a chance, man, because of that defense. You gotta, you gotta give props to Kawhi with that denied defense on KD. When Aiden has more shots than KD, that's a problem, and I think that yes, a main, main um, cause of that is Kawhi. Sammy, Sammy, <laughs> you gotta tell me, man. Like, what kind of hypnotism is Ty Lue or that coaching staff given to Westbrook? Because he's playing some defense that there, and I don't think I've ever seen that before in my entire life. So I think I didn't consider this myself either, but I think we all forgot about one thing, and this is where Ty Lue just kind of reads his guys really well. When we, when uh, we, like I'm on the team, but uh, when they opened up the game, they had Kawhi on Aiton initially. They put Westbrook on Durant. And Westbrook looked like he wanted to take Durant's soul. And I think that that was an amazing read from Lou of saying, I'm going to get maximum effort from my guy because he did not forget what happened eight years ago. And he was all over the place on him. It was incredible to watch. He understood. And you know the other thing that played into it, and Westbrook remarked is this after the game. He was saying that he, you know, he took his shots, he made his mistakes, but he didn't feel like after each mistake he was going to get pulled. He felt like he had freedom to keep going and keep playing. And I think not having that, what he felt like a microscope on him, did a lot for him. And, I mean, we saw in the, that last two minutes alone, I think he tipped or controlled three offensive rebounds and then he blocked Booker, of course, at the end of the game and tossed the ball off him. There's no way they won this game without him. And I, like I was telling you guys when we were prepping for this, I didn't think that was possible. So I think obviously he was a huge factor uh, in this game. And then just the other thing I would transition to that we also talked about when we previewed the series, we know one to four, clearly the Suns are, are right now more talented, right, with, with PG out. That's not even a question. I don't think any rational Clippers fan will question that. The bench for the Suns, we all agreed, is absolutely horrendous now. Their depth has been completely shattered, and the Clippers are still deep. So if you look at game one really briefly here, 
exactly one Clipper was in a positive plus minus of the five starters. Kawhi, with no surprise. Then you look at the four guys who played off the bench. Plumley plus 16, Highland plus 13, Mann plus 13, Powell plus 11. They killed the Suns bench when they were matched up with each other, and that's where the points were made up in this game. So this was a matchup play of the Clippers' depth against the Suns' star power, and in game one, that's how I saw it. And in regards to Westbrook, like, game two, the stats were better, but game one, I don't think I've ever remember him in the last four or five years having impact like that. Dude, what did you see? Yeah, I mean, like, you, you basically said it, where the Clippers bench, I think they're going to have to win this series because in game two, the top showed up for the Suns. I mean, Devin Booker with 38, Kevin Durant with 25, Chris Paul with 16, Torrey Craig with 17. I mean, that, that starting five really showed up, and basically they got no help from the bench, but they were still able to win this game too. And the question is, though, who the hell has control of this series? No one. Is it the Suns or is it the Clippers? Who are you guys going with? JJ. I don't even know how to call it. To be honest, you have the Suns with star power, but you have the Clippers that are deep with arguably the best defensive player in the league. But I got to say, before you move on, um, do one of these guys, Kawhi versus KD. Been w- waiting for this matchup for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I think Kawhi. I think Kawhi is winning so far. I know KD has been putting up great numbers, but I think Kawhi is just—he's giving him fits when. And I know he can't be defending him the entire time, but I did <laughs> thought about Westbrook. Is that Sammy? You brought up a point. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, but it's just so. Like, to me, it's so infuriating, right? Because you made a point that Lou may have strategically placed Westbrook on Durant to motivate him and get him in this mode of, oh, you know what? I'm going to lock him up. And he did. Because not only men- mentally he was in that mode, but also because he has the athleticism to do so. And it's infuriating to me because Westbrook is a type of player who could play elite defense. He has the athleticism. Do you guys agree? He just doesn't have the mentality he doesn't have the mode to focus in on that end for a full 48 minutes or however long he's playing the game and play elite defense but i think he's fully capable of it and it shows in these glimpses of the game when he's guarding duran or guarding other guys he just doesn't have that all the time do you guys agree or disagree i absolutely agree i mean this is just evidence right if westbrook is motivated and locked in he could play great defense it's almost like have you guys seen the water boy when oh, water yeah. boy has to imagine that one dude like yelling at him in order for him to play yeah. really well like westbrook just needs to imagine kevin durant's face on every single person yes. and he's gonna be freaking defensive player 100 percent. westbrook okay i don't know if you guys saw this clip but apparently he was walking through the vip section um, during halftime on game one and there was like a random fan that was there and yelled Westbrick like right to his face and then there was like this verbal altercation where Westbrook said to the fan watch your mouth watch your mouth mother sucker and the fan replied with take it like a man what do you guys what did you guys think of like this little weird like interaction 
I want to give a, a quick shout out to the operations department of uh, the Phoenix Suns because for having the worst possible setup in all of the NBA. I mean, why, <laughs> why in the bloody hell would you have players walk through a VIP section? I actually know the reason for it, but okay. regardless of, of why they set it up that way, like it's just crazy to me. And, and Sammy, I think you're going to comment on it, but it was actually it, implemented during the pandemic, right? Yeah, where no and, I, and I agree. Players, yeah. Where no players were actually walking through or no fans were in that area anyway at the time. But hey, pandemic's over, guys. Maybe, maybe we, we should, should block it back off. Should, maybe we should switch back <laughs> and right. revert to the normal way where players are walking through the tunnel. But maybe not. I don't know. I'm not an operation. They'll manager. be fine during halftime of a playoff game. Emotions <laughs> won't be high at all. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're just lucky that they didn't escalate it further, right? Yeah, for sure. And to answer your question, we just talked about this with the fans and the whole Draymond thing. Like, yeah, you buy a ticket, you get a chance to heckle a little bit, like all in good fun. I get that. It doesn't mean you can do anything you want, especially to the face of the player at halftime and not expect to get a response. Like, just have a little respect. You know, if you're going to heckle him on the court, boom, while he's shooting free throws, whatever, fine. But take it like a man, really. If, if Westbrook responded in a way he could have, I don't think the fan would have taken it like a man. So... Just fan behavior is a little out of control. And I might be a little more charged about this because I just rewatched the Malice at the Palace documentary and saw fans claiming that they had the right to get on the court. And I know we didn't get that far with this, but when we buy tickets to a game, we're there to cheer, we're there to, you know, enjoy the game. It's not a right to go back and forth and say whatever you want to a player without any repercussion. And it's ridiculous that some fans treat it that way. So. Obviously, I'm biased in this case. This is a, a player on my team, but I just I can't see myself heckling a player to his face like that at halftime if I had the opportunity. So, boys, we're, we're running out of time here, but I have to ask you guys, Clippers, Suns, who takes game three? JJ. I'm going to go with the home team. Clippers. John. Yeah, I think the Clippers take game three. I do think that I do think the Suns tie it up, though, in game four. Ooh, is it going to be a clean sweep? Sammy, <laughs> like I take, have to ask. Clippers take three, four, and five, and we'll see you next round. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unbiased opinion, everybody. Just Absolutely. Clean analysis. <laughs> well, really quick, I'm going to treat this like a quick hit here. But the Bucks heat, they're 1-1. The big news is that Giannis Antetokounmpo, he missed this last game. Um, he's been out with a tailbone slash back injury. Um, Cavs, Knicks, also 1-1. That's all we have time for tonight. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on. Where is Ja? Good night, everyone. <laughs> Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Always good to be here, my friend. And of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast. And follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.